I'm going to welcome up uh, Mr. Blackwell. He's going to carry his stand with him. Let's give him a great Nava welcome. A joyful Jesus welcome. This guy brings so much depth to our church. He is, if you don't find him, he's probably with someone who's in a lot of pain. I'm riding in in the car this morning and someone calls him. He's ready to preach with a pastoral crisis at 7 a.m. And so here we are in a conference call. This guy is spending his life for those who are hurting. He has been the most amazing pastor through the last year. I mean, this guy is incredible. I'm not only is my best friend in the world, but I have watched him have a bleeding heart of compassion for the sheep and really shepherd them this year. And so I'm excited for him to bring the word, but every day he's loving this church. And you don't get to see all that, but I do. And so I wanted to honor him in front of all of you while we're here. So let's give him one more round of applause and then he can take it away. Um, that's a short podium. Do you want to, do you want to lift that? It does raise. Watch the, yeah, there's a miracle. Watch this. Here, you hold this. I tried that one, man. No. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Way to go, man. I tried to raise it and it popped off and I thought, apparently, yeah, that's much better. I was feeling awkward by how low it was. Uh, thanks for that kind intro, buddy. It is good to see your faces. Joella Black getting ready to pop a baby. John and Christina getting ready to pop a baby. Snyder's over there. I like that. Mom Bonnie. Joella's mother-in-law here. Who else is here? Oh, man, Mom Bonnie. I know. Yeah, Mom Bonnie all the way from Turkey. Truly a legend. Good. Jason Morgan's mama. Mama Morgan here. I like seeing that. Pops is here too? I didn't see him. He's out perusing. He's walking the fields. Yeah, warming up. It's right. It's a little chilly in the interior. If you need to make your way out to the sun, won't be offended. Um, man, good to see your faces. Uh, I was thinking some years ago, uh, after a gathering of this sort, maybe it was a party or picnic, and I was talking to this fellow who was clearly like of Latino descent. And as I was conversing with him, I made an assumption. And so I started to engage him because I was looking for something of commonality. So I started to ask him like, well, what's your favorite Mexican restaurant in Kansas City? And, you know, we kind of go back and forth on that. I, I go like, what about, what's your favorite Mexican grocery store? And I keep going and I don't know, three questions in. He's like, David, I'm Puerto Rican. I, I understand, but I'm not Mexican, man. And I was like, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, like uh, people say that ignorance is bliss. They're wrong. <laughs> it's not. That's not bliss. That was terrible. And uh, relating to someone out of your assumed identity of who they are, not good. Not good. Not helpful. And uh, the place I want to go today in the scriptures is a phenomenal interaction. I think one of the most profound conversations that happens in the whole of the Gospels and a true identity discovery moment. Unlike my experience with bro from Puerto Rico 
that I thought was Mexican and terribly misinterpreted that moment. And fortunately, he was gracious with me. So, so honored, Jesus, to be with these people. Thank you for life and life more abundantly in you and with you and with one another. Thank you for this precious family. Thank you, Jesus, that you sit enthroned as the head of your church all across the city, 2,000 plus congregations. Man, that's kind of, I don't know what to think about that right now, but that is amazing that your bride and your people, your family are gathered all over this city and all over this world to celebrate who you are. And we do, we celebrate who you are today and we peer into who you truly are, Jesus. We want to know you as you truly are. I wanna know you as you truly are. I'm aware that some of my perceptions and presumptions and ideas about you are not true. And I welcome you to meet with us and to touch and reveal yourself to each one here today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Mark, hopefully you're tracking with Nava's daily Bible reading plan. We are in the book of Mark, a chapter a day in the New Testament, Monday through Friday, the Psalms and Proverbs on the weekends. So rich and so helpful to have something when you wake up groggy and you're like, where do I go today? And you get to just click you know, a file button on your, phone, on your phone or pull out your daily Bible reading app and take a look at where we're at in the scriptures. And we've been in Mark all of this week and we'll be finishing Mark next week. And this particular conversation that I alluded to is Mark 8. Mark 8, verse 27. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. We're going to just dance over to Matthew quick. I want to read this. It's a fuller account in Matthew 16, the same interaction and conversation, uh, but again, a little more full-bodied. 16, 13 and following. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the th and on the third day be raised to life. 
Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Lord, never, never shall this happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So that's a stunning interaction and conversation. Uh, Lest we focus on Peter's like snafu in the latter half of this moment, right? We are celebrating that the spirit of God brought something to life in Peter that he did not necessarily previously see or articulate. And this theologians kind of conclude is like the hinge, the pivot of the whole New Testament. The whole of the gospel story and account has been leading up to this moment in so many ways when their eyes are truly opened and they see him as he is. You remember like Jesus is a man to these guys. <laughs> like really, really a man. He, he's not God to them. He is just a man. Now, an incredible man that is unlike them, but just like them in every way. Our friend Trent Shepard, family of Stephen and Joella, I love the way he tells the story of Peter walking on the water. And he says, Peter didn't walk on the water because God was walking on the water. Peter walked on the water because another man was walking on the water. It's so different, Right? so different when we are relating to him out of his humanity than his divinity. He is both. Dear God, thank you that you're both. But man, lest we miss the humanity of Jesus, how awesome Peter. He sees another man, he walks on the water, right? And then this moment, his eyes are open and he sees Jesus in a much more profound, like other than kind of way. It's hilarious that when Peter says you're the Christ, he, he proceeds it with like, well, some people think that you're Elijah and Jeremiah. Have you considered that people thought it would be easier for a prophet to be reincarnated than it to be the Messiah? Like a thousand years later, that guy's probably Elijah. That he's probably, Jer- I mean, that is baffling to me and wonderfully like perplexing and ludicrous that it was easier for some to conclude he's got to be a prophet who's come back from the dead than it would be the messiah the king like the king so when you see messiah and christ it's the same greek word and let's just keep it simple it it's the king like peter's like no we we think that you're the king like the real king, the true king, that's going to come and deliver us from all the oppression that we've been under. We don't have time to go into what the Jews were suffering under, the oppression they experienced. But as far as you can imagine it, it's what they felt like and experienced. So when Peter says, we think you're the king, we think you're the guy, like you're the guy that was talked about with David, that's going to come and restore and deliver us and get us out of this insane mess that we're in, that announcement, you, you, you can't build it up any more than I've just, it is colossal for Peter to say, you're the king. We take it for granted now, because we're like, well, yeah, well, of, course, of course he's the king. How could he have been anything else but the king? Like, what, were, what took you guys so long? But my goodness, that's why Jesus is wonderfully dumbfounded by this moment. Like, dude, Peter, You didn't get here on your own. You had something much deeper in you and with you to bring this to bear. 
Okay, so we're holding all this. Who do you say that I am? Peter makes this awesome announcement. But before this, Peter was just doing like the most basic thing that we're invited to do. He's simply following Jesus. He's simply obeying Jesus, which is really good news for you and I when we think about how we encounter and discover the true nature of the God that we love and want to follow. We discover him best and most profoundly simply by saying yes and following him. If you notice this moment, this conversation happens in Mark 8, 27. I thought this was so simple and yet profound. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages to Caesarea Philippi, and on the way, Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? I've already established by way of like big smart Greek theologians that this is like an epicenter climactic moment in the gospels and it happens on the way. They're on a dirty, dusty road. They're not like in the last supper. They're not in the garden of Gethsemane. They're not like there on the Mount of Transfiguration. They're literally on the way. And Jesus drops, who do you say that I am? Friends, the amount of like pregnant expectation and anticipation for this moment is so amazing for it to happen in an otherwise mundane, ordinary moment when they were least expecting it. I love that it happens here and not elsewhere. I love that it happens along the way and on the way because most of our lives are just lived on the way. Like we have incredible like moments like this where we get to be together and agree together and sing and hear and engage together. But by and large, right, our normal everyday ordinary life is like on the way. We're following Jesus. We're doing our best to hear his voice and be with him and stay true to him and follow him. And he loves to pick those moments to bring incredible life-altering ahas to your heart that will change you forever, just like it changed Peter forever and changed the church forever. Listen, the Catholics took this way more serious than us in terms of Peter the Rock. Molly and our family have been to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. It's insane. When, when this was happening, the Catholics have taken this all the way, man, in terms of like the like papal descent and Peter the Rock. This is an other than moment of transformation, and it happens simply on the way. On the way. A random road on the way. That I love about Jesus. <laughs> I love that about Jesus. It's such good news for us. Some of my most significant uh, discoveries of Jesus have happened in very random, nondescript places. Like a lot of my mindsets and attitudes and perspectives about God have changed dramatically under anointed teaching, worship, like in settings that are semi-formal like this. If we can call this formal, this is hardly formal. But as formal as this is right now, formal moments that bring incredible change to my heart and mind. But 
the moments when I'm least expecting it and true Jesus shows up, ah, man, I love those. And I hope you have some of those. And I hope you keep them fresh and near and dear to your heart and in your back pocket. One of my favorite ones happened about a mile from here, Swope Golf Course. I was telling Dave Nabraga, I used to go to Swope Golf Course before it opened and get there, and then I would pay for my round when the pro shop opens. And I love being the only one on the course. And this particular day I was out there, it was like early, early, and the second hole, I didn't have to give you goofy golf details because it's important to me. Playing the second hole, and I hit this great shot. Now, those who don't know golf, Josh Johnson knows and appreciates this. You hit a shot, the ball goes high in the air. When it lands on the green, it leaves a pitch mark, a little indent on the green, and you got to go with a little tool, and you flick it back up and keep the grass alive. It's really important that you do that. Don't be the guy that leaves the pitch mark. You fix those pitch marks. So this day, bright and early, I'm the only one out there, the first one there. I hit this shot. It's a great shot. I get under the green, and there's my ball mark. And literally 18 inches next to it, there is an identical pitch mark right there. I'm the only one. I'm the first one on the course. When I see the second pitch mark, the Holy Spirit, out of nowhere, tells me Jesus is with me. Like, for real. I'm, like, content just to be hitting some good golf shots And the Holy Spirit says, Jesus is with me. And the second pitch mark was the primer. Now, I had enough rational, rationale to think, it could have been from somebody last night. But friends, don't rationalize your way out of a revelation that is from the heart of God. That moment changed my life. Like, I knew prior to that that Jesus was with me in the worst of the worst because he had shown me that. I knew he was with me when I was functioning in my gifts, trying to be a good husband, father, trying to be a good pastor, leader. Like, I knew he was with me in those spaces. But when I get a second pitch mark on the second green at Swope Park and the Holy Spirit seals my my heart in that he is with me, that has stayed with me forever. Because Jesus is with me, not just in the high and the low, not just when I need him, but he's with me every day in the mundane and wants to be with me on the golf course. I needed that. I don't know what yours is, and I guarantee the litany and plethora of experiences just like that in this room would blow our minds, and they should. And they should, because these are the treasures that we have of moments and true discoveries with the living God that change you just as it changed Peter. Peter didn't leave the same Peter. Peter got a whole new name. Jesus was like, man, Peter, you saw something you didn't know about me. And now I see something that you don't know about you. You are a rock. And I'm so confident in my ability to be in you through this experience that I'm going to call you rock. And the whole church, the whole trajectory is changing through this moment because we get to peer into a man just like you and I that saw something of God just like you and I get to do and be changed by it forever. I really enjoy uh, discovering these kinds of things about people because then who they know God to be and how they live in light of who God is impacts me and changes me. The way that you see people who see God brings an encounter to you, brings like a discovery more than an observation. Remember my mistake with the Puerto Rican Mexican. (laughs) That was 
man, that was a missed observation. Was not, I had not spent enough time with him to discover who he really was and what he was like. Adam alluded to this earlier, but we had time with Suze Campbell and Meredith Johnson, our core team, about two weeks ago, and got to hear about the work that Suze is doing with Della Lamb and helping to resettle refugees, and got to hear from Meredith Johnson, her heart, having been in Syria and the Middle East with Josh, to help bring gospel hospitality to refugees that are being resettled in Kansas City. Now, I knew those two women a little bit by observation, like, I know Suzanne. I think she's awesome and hilarious. I know Meredith. I know she's passionate, super wise. But man, hearing them talk about something that's deep within them that God put in them, his heart that he had encountered them around for the foreigner, for the refugee, lest we forget Jesus was a refugee in Egypt. Of course that's going to impact me. That's the beauty of those moments where people who carry something of the character, nature, and specific revelation of God, I got to discover Suzanne Campbell. I got to discover Meredith Johnson out of a deep place of calling and longing and hopefulness. Friends, this is who you are. Like, that's the, Nava, you are this way, man. Like, you people love the presence of God. You love to be changed by God. You love to carry the revelation of God. I think about families in here who are fostering and adopting and in some crazy partnership, both of those things in a unique way. Families in here who are saying, yes, defying economic sensibility to go spend a year on a missions base because God's saying, go and do it. People who are buying businesses in faith and selling businesses in faith because of a deep sense of God's leading and way. Both requiring faith to step out and pioneer in business and to step into a new place and release a business that they had built. Man, what do, they, what do those people know about the character and nature of God that causes them to live that way? We are flipping walking signs and wonders, friends. Like, we are walking signs and wonder that should provoke this type of inquiry. Who are you to live that way and want to do that? Jenny Roberts, you rock. You just went after it, sister, and endured and persevered and passed your real estate license. That's amazing. You did it. You could have given up. You didn't. That blesses me, Jenny. That blesses us all that you didn't just back away and think, man, maybe it's not right. You pressed through. The type of enduring faith that is in this room amidst suffering and setback, Julie Cox, dear Lord, with her in the lower level of their home this week, ankle deep in their flooded home water, and she's proclaiming with authenticity, I see the gift of God already within this. He will be good to us. Come on, Julie Cox. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I know it was passed down by her parents because I've heard Grandma Marie Cato speak about that. Holding and treasuring the beauty, the goodness of God. Unwilling to let go and believe that their circumstances define who God is. Oh, man, I needed that. Like a rod going down through her soul into the ground and into my soul into the ground. Why? Because she's been changed by him. And I get to catch the draft of her encounter and discovery with God. And if you will let it, your life will change, friends. This is how God changes us. We are the church. 
we get to be this way. And that's why I hope you take wonderfully and joyfully serious your calling to follow Jesus as the 12 did. Because there's things you're going to get to know and see and discover about him that I never will. And we need it. We need it. The world needs it. Your neighbors need it. Your spouse needs it. Your friends need it. Your cousins need it. Your second cousins need it. It matters for you, of course, because you want to live differently. But man, does it matter for the world. We're getting to, again, peer into a story that happened 2,000 years ago and be changed by a group of disciples that said, all right, we'll follow you. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll drop all these nets and I'll leave the tax table and I'll, I'll follow you. I don't know where because, again, he's just a man. Like, he's just a man to them. And they get radically and wonderfully upended just as you and I do and will and can forever. So to say it very specifically, here's how I think this happens. I think this happens simply by saying yes, by following him, by looking for it, and by keep asking for it. We look for the revelation of Jesus, and we keep asking for the revelation of Jesus. We have to progressively, increasingly, ongoingly, discover, not just observe, discover who he is and what he's really like. Man, I need it. Like, I'm thankful seven, eight years ago that I had Hole 2, Swope Park. It's in me forever. Like, it's not going away. But, man, I, I want more of that. I, I need more of those moments and more of those encounters, as do you, as does the world around us. I remember some, uh, maybe it was two, three years ago at the retreat, this phrase hit me. That on our worst day, we can change the world. And on our best day, the only difference is we believe it. On our worst day, we can change the world. (laughs) Caitlin Ewing. (laughs) Please don't tweet that. I don't know. That just now all of a sudden, it felt too packaged. But you guys know me better than that. Uh, and I remember when I heard that, I was like, man, that didn't come from me. Google doesn't reveal that to me. Like Francis Chan or whoever else I think is a great preacher, teacher, dude, didn't reveal that to me. The spirit of the God, the spirit of God, (laughs) he is. Don't get me started, Adam. Because friends, man, I, I hope you hear this with like, you, you get it. I can't answer that question for you. Who do you say that I am? I can't answer that for you. Like, I'm, tr- I'm sort of trying to right now, right? But like, it requires the spirit. It requires revelation. This whole interaction, this whole question, who do you say that I am, is central to your discipleship. And regardless if you've known him or followed him for one day or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, wherever you're at in this process and journey is okay. That's what I love about this interaction happening on the way. There was no pressure. There was no hurdles. There was no like prerequisites or prerequirements that Peter had to pass before this moment. It's simply on the way. Who do you say that I am? It is essential. I hope you will take it, that question. I hope you will engage 
the Spirit on it. I hope you will take time to write down and consider now in this season, like, who do you say that I am? And for some of us, that is changing, huh? <laughs> like, who do I say that you are right now? Man, what I would have said three years ago would be very different. What I will say today, man, yeah, peer into that, lean into that. That is a good tension, huh? Graham Cook some years ago said, uh, uh, what did he say? He, he said, I invite you to ask God, who do you want to be to me in this season that you could not be in any other? Ask God, who do you want to be to me in this season that you could not be in any other because of the circumstances that you're facing and experiencing? I think that's a great question. It is an on-the-way question. It is an in-process question. And some in this have experienced insane defeat and disappointment this year. And I love you for it. I love you because you're here, because you're standing, because you're smiling, because your eyes are on him, and you're asking that question knowingly or unknowingly. And some, it's been the best year, the most like extraordinary, joy-filled, breakthrough, fantastic year you've ever experienced. And I love you for it because your eyes are still on God and you realize all of it is a gift and all of it is grace, yeah? So let's take a minute. love you to close your eyes and be as in tune with God that lives on the inside of you as possible. Who do you say he is? Who do you say I am? Cutter and team, if you guys can make your way back up. For those that came in tune in touch with an answer to that question, I'd love you to write it down. For those that didn't, that's okay. You've just sowed a prayer, a sincere desire before him. And he will probably answer it on the way <laughs> when you least expect it. And he will probably show you something that you don't necessarily even think you need right now. I want us to worship out of this a little bit and make some declarations out of this. I also want us, friends, just to exercise Jesus' authority a little bit over each other. It's reminded as Daniel handed me a scripture out of 1 John during worship and thinking about Jesus at the end of the Gospels, reminding us that he has all the authority, all the authority in heaven and earth, and that we, the body of Christ, regardless of our experience or sense of how true that is right now, get to stand in it and act upon it. Can we stand? We're going to worship.